0: You might want to get out the sheet from the passage. We'll be looking at just a little bit of Nehemiah 2, but mostly Nehemiah chapter 4 today. And as I've done in the past couple, this will be more of a group study than it will be a teaching, although I have some thoughts to close with um, that are a little bit more extensive than they've been the past couple weeks. Um, Anyway, I was trying to think of a story to start off with, just to share a little bit about my own, you know, uh, kind of, this is about... Um, dealing with oppression and my own experience of oppression, and I realized I didn't have anything that quite matched up to what the Israelites were facing. Um, but I, but I wanted to share for those of you who know it, forgive me. But for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, just again how Lori and I ended up coming here to FCBC. Um, so it was back in 2005, and um, we uh, we were in the process of helping plant another church in Madison, uh, and um, while we were doing that work we felt it would be good to be a part of a church that we could just kind of enter in and receive we'd come to visit fcbc and uh, matt and sue had come up to us and gotten to know us a little and said look if you want to you can just you can just come and sit and receive there no no expectations which we really appreciated um not to tell you i think i've mentioned this before when i first came here i thought the church was a little weird uh, because it wasn't like every other church that i know right Um, not only were they were we free and I think we still are we don't see it as much for the kids just to have fun and dance and sing people waving flags was was new to us Um, but even more it just felt like the church wasn't that worried about you know looking overly flashy and I say that in a nice way right not a bad way there was something about the way the church was thanks Chris (laughs) kick my coke over that'd be great um Uh, that they that it seemed like they were more worried and more focused on on relationships on knowing jesus and knowing each other and we experienced just a lot of of of, of great interaction and wonderful like pouring into us during that time Um, that now that wasn't where i experienced the opposition the opposition actually happened in the context of the church plant that we were a part of Um, Now, I'd grown up in a church fairly similar to FCBC in that it was an elder-led church and there wasn't a head pastor. Although I'd worked at an Anglican church in the Chicagoland area, this church was a church plant from that church. So I was very used to both both structures and uh, very comfortable with them. But what began to happen was as we were working with this pastor, we realized he really wasn't listening to anything we said. It seemed like we, we had gone into the with the understanding that we were a team working together, that we we're going to plant this church as to become who God kind of called us together to be. But it, more and more, it felt like it was his dream and his vision and had nothing to do with us. So I got together with him and I shared that I was really frustrated. Um, you know what we and I've had, i had it took a lot of time to get up the courage to actually do this. Now normally I would save this to the end of the talk, but I'm afraid because of how scattered I am this morning that I'll just completely forget it, so I'm gonna go ahead and finish my story. Um, What happened was uh, we got together and we we talked, and he said, um, you know, I I mentioned to him that we'd been sharing a lot of ideas, and, and it seemed like he wasn't listening to anything we said, and his response was, what's wrong with my vision? That was his response. Didn't listen to us, his response was, What's wrong with my vision? Why can't you just do what I've come up with? Why isn't that good enough for you? So I I remember after that, I was really frustrated and upset at that. Um, We had two very different philosophies of ministry you know, going into it. Uh, He obviously didn't see things the way I did, and I didn't see things the way he, uh, he did either. And I was hurt, too. I think probably deep below, I was really hurt. And the the, where, the place I came to understand where I was at wasn't there, wasn't with God alone. It was in the community here at FCBC. Now, FCBC had been the place where just a few months before, you, you guys, they, we'd opened up the space. The church had given us the whole space for the campus ministries to do a, a 24-7 prayer room for 40 days. That was 2005, if you remember that. And I was overwhelmed by the hospitality and the generosity of the people. Um, But even more, I was overwhelmed by the fact that they seemed to really listen and care. And even more, the model and structure of the church was really based on a group of people trying to figure out where God was leading them together. Not one person with an overarching, you know, kind of dream or vision uh, for the church as a whole. And I I realized, I think, at that particular point that this was probably a better fit for me than the church plan that I was a part of. That's kind of how we got here, right? I think, but it was, it was the love. It was the, it was the community we experienced. It was the encouragement. It was the blessing. Um, honestly, I struggled with the fact that you know, I wanted things to be done differently because I had a really strong idea of what, of what I thought church should look like. I'm not talking about a lead pastor. I'm talking about some other things. But over time, what I've seen in my life here is that I've become more and more to realize this is who we are. You know, we're not perfect. There are things about us that are significant and important. And we really are a group of people that really long and desire to kind of discern what God is doing and where he's leading us. Um, so I think it's funny. I think, you know, God, God maybe he got us on that journey of helping plant the church so he could bring us here. And here we are in a season where we're rebuilding, or as one person said to me, it feels kind of like we're replanting FCBC again. Yeah. And so we're looking at these passages with the hope that You know, some of what will come out of it is is some direction from the Lord. But each step of the way, we recognize and realize that, you know, we're just waiting for God to show us what the next step is and trusting in him on the way and doing our best to love one another in the process. Um, And I I think from this passage today a lot of good will come out. So if you have it, go ahead and and pull it out. We'll kind of look at this together. Um, Now, one of the things to keep in mind, I shared this my first week. And uh, Marie shared it la- last week when um, uh, um, when the the teaching was happening um, uh, when Linda was teaching um, that Jerusalem was really important to the people of Israel, right? Um, Jerusalem was the soul of the Jewish people and and the beating heart of the land of Israel, and you couldn't separate the people from the land. You couldn't remove them unless you destroyed the city, so reestablishing the city was a, was kind of like reestablishing the heart of Israel. They wa- They felt like they needed to do that, and I think it's probably true at the time that cities represented nations they you know it's something that they could boast about. Look at how beautiful our city is. Cities where most of the the people live, that's where the power, the seat of power was. But a city without walls was defenseless, and you know wasn't a place that you could establish any kind of seat of power at all. If you had walls around your city, you could, you could begin to establish, you know, the families could grow, you could establish an army, you could establish a government, and you could begin to rule the territory that you were around without the walls, you were, you were helpless, right? Because of the nature of warfare at that particular time. And I think that's probably one of the motivators for Nehemiah, the, the um, disgrace he felt was the, dis- the disgrace of a nation without a city, Without a, without a gem, without a jewel, without its soul, without its heart, its beating heart. And he, and he, and he desired and longed to rebuild it, yes, for the glory of God, but yet also for the glory of his people, right? And the Jews, have, they, to this day, have a strong identification with themselves as a people, right? Whether it's a people of God or a nation, and they did back then as well. And the city, Israel, was a sign of that, of their, of that glory, of God's and their own. And so he wanted to go back and rebuild the wall. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about, he didn't do that in a vacuum. He didn't do that with everybody behind him. He did it with a lot of opposition, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about the opposition. And specifically, the three people that are brought up today are Sanballat, right, Tobiah, and then another person, um, is it Geshem? I forgot his name, and I don't have it in front yeah. of me. Yeah, and, and if you know anything about these, there's, a, there's an indication, they're not completely certain, but they think that these three were rulers or governors over areas. Uh, Sambalat over, over uh, to the, the Syria, to the north, Tobiah over uh, to the east, and, and Geshem was a larger area, like some of the desert areas, right? And they were rulers over these areas. They had control and power, and so because of that, they probably controlled things like the spice trade that went through. And their, and their fear was if another power was established in that area, because they had their reign over the people of Judah, if another power was established, they, they then would lose their, some of their lucrative trade, right? They, someone would challenge their authority and their power. That's at least the, what's surmised in most of the things that I read. Um, so, So that gives you a little bit of feedback as an understanding as to why they were opposed to the rebuilding of the Jewish walls. Interestingly enough, one thing you find out is that Tobias' in-laws were actually part of the faction rebuilding the wall. And these people were integrated into the Jewish community, and, and even Tobias' children had Jewish names, right? So there was a connection there with the people. These are important things to recognize you don't find in the passage, right? But let me go ahead and read this through, and then we're going to... Um, Uh, do a little bit of discussion together and then some discussion in small groups as well All right. Um, and online we don't have a zoom call for you today I apologize but uh, my guess is that many of you are gonna watch this at a later time so you can discuss it with someone at home uh, together so starting Nehemiah 2 because this is an important part so this is that the after um, Nehemiah shares about uh, what needs to be done and he encourages people uh, to rebuild the wall, they replied, Let us start rebuilding. And so they began, uh, right, this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, the official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. On to chapter four. When Sambalot heard, again, that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, who are those feeble, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, are they, what, what they are building, even a fox climbing on it, would break down their wall of stones. And this is Nehemiah praying. Hear us, our God, uh, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs of the Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their sword spears and bows and after i looked this uh, things over i stood and said to the nobles the officials and the rest of the people do not be afraid of them remember the lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes when our enemies heard that um, that we were aware of their plot and that god had frustrated it we all returned to the wall each to our own work From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spear shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but the men who who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God will fight for us. So we continued to work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as a guard by night and a worker by day. And neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Long passage. So. All right, here's just a little bit together. Uh, look at the passage, look it over, um, and let's talk a little bit about uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem's tactics to stop the rebuilding of the walls, What makes and what makes this opposition effective. Actually, that's a long question break up into small groups you'll have more discussion about it there so go ahead get in the groups of threes and fours uh, and uh, start working on this and look at the first two questions all right um, number one and number two so what let's let's talk a little bit together about the first two questions I um, you guys could keep going we'll talk a little bit more so but What is it that, what are the tactics that they used to stop the rebuilding of the walls and what made them so effective? And uh, we'll do the microphone thing here. Chris. Uh,
1: What I had thought of, is it on? Um, (coughs) Was the kind of the tactic of fear. Yeah. And actually, I thought of, you know, um, the example of parents and their children, though, as far as saying, don't do that, or you're going to get in trouble, or there's going to be consequences. And, uh, <laughs> and saying because you know whether they were going to follow through on rallying their forces and attacking or not, right? They were making threats to try to keep the current order the same.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Probably based on the way that he, they treated the people in the past as well, right? Someone else.
2: Like there's also some like ridicule involved, like just taking the low-hanging fruit of like, you know, calling them feeble and right, you know, the work they did do, saying like a fox could break it down.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're really they're kind of poking at the insecurities of the people as well, right? A nation that had experienced defeat had probably been oppressed for 140 years. These people were probably quite easy to pick on and they were taking advantage of it tom
3: yeah so they're using mockery and demoralization yeah and when the task looks so enormous compared to what their resources were it's easy to be discouraged and say yeah you know they're probably
0: right yeah we
3: can't do this this is hopeless
0: yeah 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 and you know one of the reasons that they talk about this they said even a fox walking on the wall will cause it to crumble is because the walls were built of limestone and the intense fires that they'd used in order to break down the walls, a lot of those stones had disintegrated as a result of and were broken up into pieces. I mean, we're not just talking about, like, you see the Wailing Wall, with it's got the intact stones of the temple, right? But what we're talking about is stones like that that had been crushed. So it's a different reality. And that, you can understand why it'd be so discouraging. It wasn't just putting bricks in order. It was actually trying to make bricks, right? So it's a it's a big project and easily demoralizing. What they were saying. Anyone else? Well, w- w- well. So w- w- the next question is what w- um, what's required to overcome this opposition? Did you have a chance to talk about that? Why don't you go ahead and talk about that in your groups now? What I- what do you see? What does Nehemiah do? And what's required to overcome this type of opposition? And even talk about your own experience. In terms of how you dealt you deal with the kinds of attacks that they're experiencing here go ahead break up in your groups and talk yeah rebuild your group that's better Uh, okay, so I'd, I'd love to hear your responses, but this time if, if someone in your group gave a good response, don't, I don't want the person who made the, the good comment to be the one, but someone else to share um, what they heard, all right? So someone else in your group, make a good comment you wanna share with us. Good answer to the question. What is required to overcome this opposition?
2: They well, wor- they did uh, arm themselves while they worked, I guess. That was one thing that we noticed. Yep. Um, and that do just doing thing something that's worth doing is worth doing even if it you don't do that great. Yep. So to keep moving forward.
0: Yep. Yeah. So get them just to keep them moving forward. That's great. I like that. Paul.
3: Yeah, we also noticed that they armed themselves while they worked. But even when they went to water, they armed themselves. Um, but also, just a reliance on God. And when you look at Nehemiah's answer in verse 4, he's not saying he's doing it in his own strength. He's saying, yeah. like God, turn their, their sins against them and not blot out their iniquity.
0: Yep. We're going to come back to that. Anyone else? Janine's going to say something.
2: (laughs) Well, I I just thought thought of this just now, but so half of the group was armed. The other half worked. Like when you've got that uh, support uh, around you, you can really get to work and do what you need to do. They refocused on the purpose of what they were doing there, and then they also practically changed their tactics. So they refocused on God, yeah. and also changed how they were working.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, so when you're, I mean, go, with Scott. This
4: uh, arming themselves, you know, they never needed that armor. They never used that sword, that those swords, but that readiness reminds me of putting on the full armor of God like Even if you don't use it, there is value in sort of going through that arming yourself You don't know whether you'll need it or not. They never needed it But that may have been a deterrent and they were ready just in case Yeah. good
0: Good all right great so what do, you, what do you think? We can talk about this together. What do you think about Nehemiah's statement at the end of chapter 2 in the prayer that he prays? How do you feel about that?
3: I really like that question. It never occurred to me before. But um, in, instead of him saying in verse 20 up in the top of, as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem, or any claim or historic right to it, that might not have been a very smart thing to have said. And if if he had been more gracious in saying, you know, will you help us? You've been around here for a long time. If if we build up Jerusalem and are strong, we can be all stronger together. I mean, maybe that's naive and it never would have worked, but I really like the question.
0: Anyone else? any thoughts on that my you know how might things have gone differently if he'd prayed or responded differently
3: <laughs>
0: my answer well i it, it's one of the things that the bible project points out they really do clearly that this actually, the, their response was, not, was probably not correct. It may have been part of the reason God's glory didn't return. They weren't showing graciousness or hospitality. Now, we know that it was in a potentially an abusive situation. These people had power in the area. But it's, I think we're talking about Tobiah, Sanballat, and Geshem as, the, as leaders, and there were actually a lot of other people involved in this process. How did they treat them? The same way you have no part. We we don't want you here. You can't be involved. And this was a recurring pattern that had happened previously as well. And there are other instances of coming back, rebuilding the temple, right? And the first attempt at rebuilding the wall, and this one as well, as if to say oh, this Jerusalem was only for the Jews, right? And and the and the pure Jews, not the ones that were impure. Uh, telling the people, you remember that video, telling the people to get a divorce, and those kinds of things are a clear indication that. Um, i my thought is if and I and this is speculation based on what i 've heard, there could possibly have been a difference in terms of how they were treated by the people of the land, not just the people in Jerusalem but the people around, if they had approached them with you know hospitality and compassion and humility, and acknowledge the fact that Tobiah, his 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 his, his wife 's family is Jewish and in Jerusalem, and his children are related to them right there 's connections between these people so there was there's something off there that probably contributes to what happens later and I I do believe it, again this is only speculation if they had come about this differently it may have made a huge difference in how that city was formed and shaped not that there wouldn't have been walls physical walls but there wouldn't have been spiritual walls built up right and emotional walls right uh, between the peoples uh, in the area so that's my it's an interesting question. It's all speculation. That's all we have. Linda?
2: Just, it makes the proverb about um, like a gracious word turns away wrath. Yeah. But sh- yeah. I don't know how it finishes, but it made me think of that.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you don't really see this, this vision come until Jesus, but you know, it's still God's vision, right? When he sends the true Messiah, right? And Nehemiah as a Christ-like figure was imperfect, right? And you can see the humanness in him and his response in these two areas. This is a imprecatory psalm, uh, psalm he's saying, which is a sl- slay my enemies, Lord, or basically they're your enemies, but they're my enemies, right? Which is really harsh.
3: It reminds me of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's kind of the other people are behaving in the way that the Jews should have been behaving towards them.
0: Correct. Yeah. Good point. Good point.
3: And, and that's that Tribalism persisted, right, all the way up yeah. to yeah. Jesus, like several hundred years later.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're getting again a flavor of why. That and uh, no no offense intended, Terry. The Jews were considered stiff-necked people, right? Um, in this particular case, we see it again. They didn't have stiff necks; they had hard hearts. And another reason why, even the the uh, um, the Bible Project people said, their, God didn't show up the glorious end that they had hoped for didn't happen when the walls were rebuilt. And there was a great disappointment. And then, you know, Nehemiah goes out and starts tearing people's hair out and beating the crap out of them, right? So that's what we see happen, okay? Well, let's go on to the, let's go on to the next four and five. Go back into your groups and discuss the next two questions. What opposition, opposition do we face as we're rebuilding the church? You can think inward, outward, right? It can be felt or real, right? What, what's the impact on us? And how should we respond to it? Give you just a couple minutes to think about this. Get together in your groups, reform your groups. so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to kind of be just really quickly share out loud what you've been hearing I'm very much aware of the time I do have some things I want to share but I think that the thing for us to do is to share and pray quickly and I may or may not share what I have as a result okay so what did you guys what do you think what are some of the ways that you felt Um, you know kind of uh, opposed or in this whole process we've been in over the past four years and what are um, what are what's a how should we respond to it what's its effect and how should we respond so we're stacking questions as Linda said it's not the best idea but it's what happens when you run out of time Chris I
1: was gonna start on a light note because uh, since Lori's on the Ford project um, I kind of see her as Nehemiah and so anytime I bring opposition, she pulls out my hair. So if you've been wondering why I've been thinner the last few years, no. But um, actually, I'm going to try to summarize th- uh, what Linda was kind of sharing I- and, uh, and say no if I've got this wrong. But kind of the opposition of perhaps feeling what do we ha- as a church, I'll either say is a big C or a small C, um, you know, are relevance to the culture and that y- uh, are, you know, the values that we're seeking as believers, you know, seem to be more and more the vast minority or in complete stark opposition to the ways of the world. Um, and uh, and then Laurie's maybe response was, instead of trying to counter that, ready to dig in and, and, and seek, um, pursue the values that we believe are true and good and whole yeah. and let that, and let our light, shine yeah. my words
2: <laughs> yeah I, th- I, I think like you know we should God's plan A for us is really about purity and wholeness and justice you know I mean the things that we, we want to pursue in God that's our plan A but we don't always live the plan A that God has for us but we can still love um, you know people and, and encourage people toward God but like that our job is really to live unto God it's it's you know that's our that's our plan (laughs) our our most important thing okay
0: thank you anyone want to add nope scott
4: i wonder if opposition in our situation is less external and more internal in terms of our insecurities oh we're small and we defeat ourselves a bit yeah um and i just wonder who's the artaxerxes that's going to work with us and we're going to redeem some city program or city money right that's going to contribute to the kingdom of god um but we've got maybe a small view of ourselves and i'm i'm sure this is a pretty small community outnumbered uh by the detractors and and maybe some internal work with regard to stirring up our courage and conviction. Thanks, Scott. Anyone? All right.
2: As the song says, what has love got to do with it? (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, early on (laughs) in FCBC, when I used to take notes, I wrote this down and I still read it over and over again it's more important to love than to be right
0: yeah that's good actually I'm gonna bounce off of Cheryl's comment I'm just gonna close the comments out so as I was contemplating and reflecting on this I there were three things I wanted to share I'll share them really quickly okay so the first is I I think one of the the things there are three things we need to avoid Right, And then there are some three things we need to do, okay, so three things we need to avoid really quickly are we need to avoid um, uh, focusing on people as the problem so because i because the passage Scott pulled out was the same one 's been going through my mind and and the and the key verse is you know we struggle not against flesh and blood and and I think it 's real easy when I, I know i 'm personally when something gets in the way or someone. To blame them and to and to turn, make them evil and to get angry at them, right? And 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 then uh, to you know whether you're cursing them in your head or you're cursing them out loud, right? And 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 you forget that they're created in the image of God and that God you know loved them and Jesus Christ died for them just as He died for us, right? And God loved us. We forget all those things about them and we make them other, evil, right? When the truth is we're all messed up in some way, like. Linda said last week we all got rubble in our lives and problems that we're dealing with and we're all imperfect. You know, and instead of seeing them from that perspective and recognizing that we see them as something other. So that's the first thing to do is remember it's the powers and principalities that, it's the worldviews and the ideas and the lies we're fighting against, not people. The, the second thing that's a direct result of this that our culture is dealing with is, any, anyone know the word is effective polarization? Does that name ring a bell? It's probably more of a bigger term out there. But the idea is how um, tribes of people are identifying themselves now, not based on what they have in common or what they're striving to become, like Lord was talking about, rather what they're opposed to, the things they hate about other other tribes, right? And and as a result of that, what you have more than ev- any other be- time before, and this is true mainly in religious and political tribes, right, Is is, is hatred between groups, not just dislike, not just you know not getting along but real true hatred that goes really deep and you see i was listening to someone talk about this and he said he said probably in the last decade or 20 years the policies between republicans and democrats to take an example haven't changed that much the difference between them what's changed is how the people on either side feel about each other i'm not talking so much necessarily about the politicians it's true in some cases but about the voters and how much they despise and distrust the other people on the other side right and again, it's, it's this idea of, of um, uh, you know, who do we listen to, where are we getting our information from, um, and getting to the point where um, uh, you know, we, believe, we believe lies about these people, and uh, as a result, and this is true more for us as Christians, where Christians are buying into this as well, right? Despising other people. Uh, now, you would think as Christians, we would at least learn to be tolerant, but we're not even called to be tolerant, we're called to love. Right? Love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Right as a testimony to God's like power in your life and the Holy Spirit in you and the indwelling in the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're called not to tolerate but to love. So that's the second thing. So remember that it's a spiritual battle. Second, don't get caught up in the in the current culture and its desire to to, to hate on each other, right? But figure out a new way to love one another, right? See them as people loved by God and love them back. And the the second thing is to find, the last thing is, this is the key too, is a lot of people today are finding their identity in in ideals or movements or or causes. That becomes the most important thing in their life, even more than say Jesus does, right? And showing the love of Jesus. This is more true on a a political front, but the reason for that, and this was forecasted back in the 60s and 70s, there's a theologian named Leslie Newbegin. Scott knows who he is. Maybe some of the rest of you do as well. Um, who 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 said as Christianity declined, politics would rise and fill its spot, right? You know that um, that uh, quote that was by it was it Pascal? There's a whole a god-sized hole in everyone's heart because much bigger than that. It says once a, once in man there existed a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him none can help since the infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite immutable object. In other words, by God himself, right? That's the real quote, right? And it just talks about as you listen to the room and you recognize there's a hunger in all people for something. And if the church, which has declined and that's true in our nation, it's true across the world, isn't there to fill it as God created it to be something else is going to take its place. And politics have rised up in order to do that. Right? And so, but it's usually with causes, Good intentions, desires to take that passion that God instilled desire to bring about change in the kingdom it, and this one area becomes even more important than the, than building up the body of christ and and that directly impacts us as a, as a community, and I'll be honest when you when people come at you with their particular agenda and' it's, it's, it's something that's important, right? but it doesn't supersede the love for one another that God calls us to it becomes an issue that can create division in the body. It's so important to them that they're unable to see how it's impacting the rest of the body or or the greater impact. All of these things are kind of current cultural issues, right? that we're dealing with, that we have to overcome. And then there's another one which is, and I won't even get into it, just we've talked about this before, radical individualization and consumerism in the church, where people are at church because of what it gives to them. Right? And that's what they look for when they go to churches. And I confess, this has been my pattern in the past as well. I've been at churches because I, they, they, they met a need. Even FCBC, when we first came, we, we started coming because we needed something and we found it here. Now, that in some cases, that's not bad, right? And there's good. We could see the good in people. Um, but that's not the end that we're supposed to be seeking. Um, and, and, and Linda said it last week. I don't know if you recognize it. Linda had the answer as she talked about um, Carl Rogers, right? And his process for um, helping people through relationship find healing. That's not just a process for an individual, it's a process for a community as well. And, and as I, it even ties in with the we are statements that I brought, right? Um, you know, we are a people who see what God is building in others and call it out. We're a people who spontaneously love our enemies and return blessings for cursing. We're a people who remind each other who we really are whenever we forget. We're a people who share others' pain even when we have caused it. We go on and on, right? And she, and she shared, I could have her do it, I'll just do it because I, I took notes, right? So because But the first was that you have to develop an unconditional positive regard for each other, right? Now, in this case, it's a clinician for the client, but in the, in, in the body, it's for all of us. An unconditional positive regard for each other, and I think it goes beyond that to having an unconditional positive regard for all people. As God's children created in his image right and a desire to see them changed um, and then when you come that's the first and the second thing when you come you have to bring your true self right I, I love that about FCBC I felt like I've been able to be myself here and I think that's what we what we want to do together the more honest we are the more real we are maybe we're not all completely honest the the more healing that becomes and as a space for us if I feel like I can't be myself in your presence this isn't a safe place If I feel like I can, it becomes a safe place to build on and grow. And we become the we are people, right? That's part of it, right? Um, And then finally is to believe that that what we all need and what we were all created for is healthy relationship. And healthy relationship is the key to healing. Healthy relationship is the key to character development. Character development isn't about knowing the truth and doing it. You can't do it without healthy relationship. I'm in an uh, Ignatian group. I won't go into the details. We spend 45 minutes a day in prayer and scripture alone, and then we meet once a week to reflect, and we do spiritual direction with each other. It's crazy hard. What I said to the group after five weeks this past week was, I can't do this because I don't feel like I have a group of people around me that are trying to help me, and I can't do this alone. That's what I said. This is too hard. And we were talking about this idea of everything I have, every moment that I have is supposed to be – devoted to God and his glory. I've thought about stuff like this my whole life. You know, even this idea of being continually in prayer and it feels impossible. Why? Because it is for me to do alone. But what if you're in a group of people who have that desire on their heart and they're encouraging and supporting each other in that way? Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to ever completely get there. That's not, we're looking for perfection. We're looking for a group of people to journey together. Right? That's what we're talking about. So as we as we go back into, um, I would like us just to spend I was worried about time and we've gone late if we could just take a few minutes to pray together in your in your small groups again and ask the lord for what you feel like you want to see happen at fcbc in this new era in this new we call it a new era in this next stage and whatever god's rebuilding in us as we rebuild this church okay into something new Does that sound good and then i'll close just a few minutes to pray together Yeah, Lord, um, we we confess that um, we, that we know, Lord, our greatest our greatest enemy um, uh, is the devil um, and uh, uh, and the evil powers and principalities. But the greatest obstacle we face is in ourselves, our our lack of faith and trust in you, and our inability to depend on one another uh, to be the body in the way you created us to be to become a group that's becoming together what we desire and long for rather than we are. But we long for this, Lord, and we pray that you would help us to become who you desire for us to be, Uh, you know, a city on a hill, a light, a salt of the earth um, that's, that's real, God, not just with words, but with actions that really, truly loves each other and the community around us. Um, that isn't given in or taken in by the lies of the world, um, but is uh, wholeheartedly like in, it sold out to intimacy with you and one another. So help us, Lord, to journey together to become that that group of people. Um, and and we again as a group, we trust in you, and we want we ask that you would show us the way. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't we I don't have any. Uh, announcements we do have a meeting in a few weeks we'll we'll, we'll bring more clarity to that as the elders meet and figure out what it's going to be about um yeah probably a house group leaders meeting is one of the things that we've discussed um yeah and um otherwise please just keep praying you know for god and uh, to show us the way forward as a body so thanks for your help thanks everyone for coming if you want prayer I'm here. Bless you. Thank you, Lori.